This is an AMI podcast. I'm Kelly McDonald. I'm Ramia Amadin, and this is Kelly and Ramia. With you, it's Kelly and Rumia. You can find us 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern Time on AMI TV, on AMI Audio at 4 p.m. Eastern for the first airing, and then every eight hours after that, and on your favorite podcast platform. I'm Rumia Amuthan with Kelly McDonald, and it's time for us to get into audio entertainment and tech, a little accessible gaming with Mike Fair. Audio entertainment and accessible technology are increasingly important in our lives. I'm Mike Fair, here to help you make the most out of your devices. We'll share tech tips and product reviews. Plus, I'll steer you towards the best accessible games, audio dramas, and podcasts. We'll talk about it all here on Kelly and Ramya. Here we go. We're going into part two of a discussion we started last week. So check part one out on your favorite podcast platform. Uh, But Mike, you told us about two recently released rogue-like deck building games, which are accessible to blind players on iPhones and iPads. We focused on Conjury, which is the easiest game um, out of the two. And this week, we're going to dig into what makes Doncaster more complex and then figure out if it's working out for the blind gaming community. So how does the scope of Doncaster actually differ from Conjury? So Conjury is really uh, you against the monster horde, and you're going through this forest basically alone. Uh, you, you run in, into different things, and it's the scale is small. Uh, it it's almost feels like a classic video game where you're just up against all these different levels. You run into the boss monster, you move on to the next one, and round and round you go through a kind of a, a circular pattern. Um, you know, Doncaster is a bit different. It has mm. uh, basically the mechanics are, are deeper. So where uh, uh, Conjury keeps the mechanics very simple, there's one kind of energy to play your cards. You just have mana, and uh, your cards cost mana, and they're never destroyed. You, they just get reshuffled into your deck. It's very simple. Doncaster is different. It has character-building and uh, a narrative quest. You're going through a story, uh, making decisions which have consequences on the game. Uh, the mechanics are more complex. There are three different types of energies uh, to play cards with. And uh, it, it's the cards can be destroyed. Cards can be altered in various ways. Uh, so the mechanics are much, much deeper uh, in the game. So there's, there's a lot going on uh, in Doncaster that really pushes it to... Uh, be one of the the more this is what what the the genre can be if it's fully fleshed out fully scoped and uh so you've got the big epic story you've got uh you know the the big decisions the the crazy moments of card mechanics uh and uh yeah it's it's a real epic uh quest there you're going on wow Sounds like so much to it, Mike. What incredible and what a difference. Um, how do you actually navigate the landing on Doncaster? Yeah, so basically you're in this fantasy land and you go through uh, different zones and each uh, zone contains a number of locations and you work your way through its zone and then you eventually get to the end of it and fight a boss monster before you go to the next zone. So each time you finish with a certain place within a zone, you have... You can go to three different locations. There are always three, at least one choice, usually three choices uh, to go to. And some of these choices will 
appear. Uh, they're fleeting. Some of them will disappear uh, if you don't take them. They're treasure trap opportunities. You don't know what it'll be, but if you don't take it, it could disappear. On the other hand, campsites and other things will reappear, blacksmiths. Uh, you'll probably get a second chance at those, but you never know for sure. Uh, and, and so there's there's a, a bit of uncertainty. But on the other hand, you can never get lost. There are, There's always at least one choice to go to. You're never trapped. Hmm, interesting. And what kind of dilemmas does this style of travel present to players of Doncaster? So let's say you're, you're, you've just uh, been injured. You're, exam- you're investigating bandits in a forest, and uh, you've, you've been injured badly. You need to restore your health, and you, come, you have these three choices. One of them is a campsite, which you can uh, either uh, heal your health, some of your health. You could remove the greed card that you accidentally picked up that will injure you if you draw it at the wrong time. Uh, that's not good to lose a chunk of health while in the middle of battle, and you never know when that card's going to come up. So uh, it, it's it's that mechanical. Do you get, ditch the greed card and remove that uncertainty? Do you heal your health, or do you go for the opportunity to get a trap or treasure, uh, hoping, of course, that it's treasure, uh, right. and, and and not have it vanish on you, never to return. So there's there's that kind of dilemma that you're facing about, uh, you know, and you never know, that campsite may, may take another couple of turns uh, before it reappears as a choice. So you really get a, a board game sense with this, as opposed to more of a classic arcade game. This is more like a deep board game, move by move, with consequences going forward. Uh, into into the future as as you're building your character in, in this big epic story. Mm. It's interesting, you know. I think of these games when people describe them to me as almost um, theaterisk, you know, theater, TV, where you or, or like a a soap opera where you have time to build that character, get all the things you need. I always imagine, especially as a, as a non gamer, Mike. I'm not a gamer, so I hear the description. I think, wow. Patience, time to do that. So does playing in a different class of character have a big effect on your approach to the game? It basically changes which cards you're going to value more and how you think about using them. Each class, everyone can use every card as long as you have the energy for it. But some classes will have natural uh, pools of energy in two of the three different kinds and or or sometimes one so it changes what you have to gather to use some cards how easy it is to use them Uh, you have different abilities and powers uh at the start that you you pick from so each class and and there's a progression there's a meta progression where you earn fate shards every time you play the game and that's what really carries over game to game because you go into this uh meta progression menu and you choose perks for your class uh, and you can choose them for any class that you've got going so uh, for example you might upgrade your rogue uh, and open up a pool of extra health and that applies to any future rogues that you you play so those rewards are, are permanent kind of improvements to that class uh, as as you play from game to game so it's it's a really neat kind of system that really takes all that into account and gives a, a much deeper kind of resonance to the game as, and uh, to your replays of it uh, mm. over time. Yeah, and I guess that's the um, upside of these kind of very complex games, right? It may not be the first 
game in this kind of a scenario that you would pick up or like this type of gameplay but if you do pick it up you can definitely keep it interesting for longevity's sake how can we modify cards so basically it's all about finding locations and opportunities player characters shrines let you upgrade cards uh or remove cards uh campsites let you remove a card as one of your choices or heal um you can uh, upgrade in blacksmiths uh, so there's all these characters, locations that will let you do that, but you never quite know when they're going to be there, when you're, those opportunities are going to come. So it's all part of figuring out, uh, you know, of course, if you're in a town, then it's more likely you'll run into a blacksmith and in, you know, the, the things that you'd find in a town. So the, the right zone can make a difference as to what's more uh, prevalent. Uh, so it's it's all about the locations and and uh, sort of picking your moments and, and trying to have the resources so you can pay for upgrading or changing your cards if you want to. Speaking of pay, Mike, how does each game make money? So basically, uh, Conjury is a one-time purchase. It's three ninety nine, and you get the the whole game, no strings attached. Everything's just there. Doncaster does it a little differently. You pay six ninety nine for the basic game. That gives you access to all cards that are released in expansions. Uh, so whether you bought the expansions or not, you automatically get all the cards. But ex there are four expansions, each of which costs regular $6.99. And you, they, they give different uh, encounters and locations, uh, things like that, in addition to the new cards for that expansion. So it, buying the expansions gives the game a lot more longevity and a lot more replay value because it offers different events, different choices than you would have had without it. And uh, so that, that can really build onto the game, which now has something on the order of a thousand cards. Hmm. So it's, it's grown huge. And each expansion is $6.99. You can bundle the first three, uh, and that gives you a slight discount uh, on on those those three expansions. That bundle was about seventeen, as I recall, something like that. Um, so it's it's and you just pay for everything just once, right? So right. You know, once you buy an expansion, it's yours forever. You never have to repurchase, and there's no subscription in in either of these cases. It's just a one time. If you want this addition to the game, pay this much, and you have it forever, kind of thing. Yeah, again, I think that's really, really smart. Any other kind of in-app purchases or anything like that? No, right? Not really. There's, okay. uh, I think there's a support the developer kind of thing. If you want to go over that amount and pay even more sure. uh, to support the game, you can. But nothing you need to. If you buy the, Once you buy the expansions, they're just yours. The base game is that one price of $6.99. So very kind of transparent, open uh, mechanics of money-making, no hidden pay-to-play things. Uh, it's it's very uh, neatly kind of laid out. Okay, cool. And how much work do you think, you talked about supporting the developer, how much work goes into making a game like this? Yeah, this is where, yeah, I have some idea of this, uh, just yeah. having looked into these games a little bit. This one was three years in the making, uh, and it's still going on, of course, because they're still making additions to it. Hundreds of cards. You're balancing all the numbers, making sure the cards make sense with each other, making sure nothing really fundamentally breaks You know what you've built so far, uh, all of that stuff. And then you have to, not everyone's good at number crunching, so you really have to make these cards intuitive to use. So you're not, you don't have to be a number nerd to, to play these games. They should be easy for an English major like me to grasp. 
And for the most part, they are. It can follow what they're what a card would be used for, what it might work mm-hmm. well with. You kind of have to be able to intuit that. And then there's all the math. There's the art. There's the sound. There's the pictures for the game and the cards. Each card, of course, has their own pictures and things. Uh, sound effects for everything. Music. Uh, making the game accessible uh, could not mm-hmm. be easy. Uh, they did it quite quickly from what I've heard and uh, hats off to them for a, a really good start uh, on that road. The game is, is very accessible now and they're, they're constantly, they've done like two or three updates since last week, even, you know, just correcting accessibility things, tweaking wow. that, making that better. So they're really focused on that and, uh, and available. Really the, yeah, very, you can approach them, you can give them feedback and they act on that very quickly. It would seem so very impressed with that. I do appreciate when um, developers kind of keep in contact with the community. So it's not just to say hey, this game is accessible, which we, we see a lot more of that with, um, you know, bigger gaming uh, companies, right? Where they put out an edition of the game, they've made the big uh, deal about it being accessible, but then you don't have real time feedback available or, you know, taken no. until the next big iteration. So, and this, we're constantly getting news about yeah. what's happening there. They've joined the Apple This forum and the audio games oh, wow. uh, net forums. They're very in contact with uh, the blind community and they're inviting blind people to join their Discord, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. which I, I have no idea what I'm doing with Discord. So, I haven't done that. But yet. there's so many blind um, people on there. So, yeah, they're really oh, yes. seeking out the community. Yeah. That's amazing. Exactly. Yep. And they're going where they're they going, need to, right? To do so. Yeah, absolutely. They're going well out of their way to to involve us and to really get feedback and act on that. So that is that is massively impressive mm. for me. Well, we're talking about Last of Us uh, Part Two, I think, later on for accessible gaming with Marcus. So we'll do a bit of a comparison uh, on this part of it. Mike, thank you. Yeah, pleasure. Okay, chat next week. Absolutely. We can find Conjury and Doncaster, the two games we featured uh, the last two segments with Mike on the iOS App Store. Again, it's available for your iPad and your iPhone. And if you want that in-depth review, again, go check out the podcast. Mike Ferret will be back next week to talk more audio entertainment tech and anything else that he wants to review. After the break, we're talking attachment theory and what that means for our relationships. This is a very interesting psychological phenomenon. We're going to talk more about it with Fern Lullum when we check in with her after the break. Stick around and learn something new. Kelly and Ramya return with more in a moment. Hi, I'm Ramia Amuthan. Join me weekly for AMI Audiobook Review, the podcast that explores new titles, introduces us to famous narrators, and updates what's hot at the Center for Equitable Library Access. Download episodes of AMI Audiobook Review from your favorite podcast provider. <laughs> 